Welcome back to Kiss the Sun podcast. My name is Daniel Ferringer. In this episode, we continue the conversation that I had with Tyrus Twine talking about the He Gets Us campaign. In this part of the conversation, we talk about what is the goal and purpose of He Gets Us, and we talk about if they align with scripture and how they use scripture. In our conversation, we'll talk much about the gospel, and we trust that this will be a edifying and encouraging listen. So here we go now for part two of the conversation on the He Gets Us campaign. So what is their goal and purpose? You said that they have many thousands of dollars, many hundreds of dollars. What is their what is their goal and their purpose? With all that money, like what is their thing that they're striving for? Yeah, I mean, uh, they have not been they have not been quiet about their hope for this campaign. Uh, like they said, they want people. They say they want to reach people with the biblical Jesus, and they want people to encounter the love and forgiveness, which they want them to encounter that without ever speaking about sin or repentance. I don't know how that's possible. Um, and they want to provide a safe place where people can ask questions about Jesus. Again, these seem like good goals in and of themselves, and but unfortunately, like I said, if, if you can have those good goals, but if you don't have the right Jesus, it's it's not useful or any to anyone. Now, I also think without without um, I also think after studying it pretty pretty closely is that they really do want for people not to see or at least not to not to feel uncomfortable with the Jesus that has been painted by bible believing christians for a long time they feel that we as christians have been doing it wrong what we like like we've been talking about what we need to do is that we need to run these ads that will appeal to people in fact they say this is a quote from them the more ideologically defensive we become, the more we are willing to sacrifice things like kindness, patience, and the respect and dignity of others for the sake of victory. He gets us, believes, that if they're clear about who Christ is and what he demands of of people, that we will sacrifice love, kindness, patience, respect, and dignity. And, And so their goal is to present a Jesus that the world will be comfortable with, and they and they've said like people, we want people to use this as an evangelistic tool. And that we, I've heard interviews where they said like we want people to use an evangelistic tool, but we're going to muddy the waters. Like if you really do the your homework through this stuff, they're going to muddy the waters. They're not going to be clear on who Jesus is. They're definitely going to shy away from the thing that he's a judge and Lord and King. That, that they're going to shy away from all that. What they really want to do is put forward a Jesus is going to get people talking. And to their credit, these ads did get people talking. They did. They did. And unfor- But unfortunately, as we've been saying, like the Jesus that is presented is a Jesus that... Actually, I want to say this. Actually, the left 
did not like did some people from the left didn't like this campaign either just because it was about Jesus period they didn't they didn't like it at all um so you have so you have your conservative christians uh bible believing christians who don't like it because like this is an accurate representation of Jesus you got the left leaning liberals who are like we don't, we just don't like a Jesus uh commercial in our super bowl we don't want that anywhere we believe in fact, one of the one of the quotes was that the, the ad supported uh, fascism. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they get this stuff. I mean, I'm not happy with he gets us, but I don't. I, I don't know if I go as far to say the supporting fascism, but maybe I don't know. <laughs> I could be wrong about that. Maybe they are supporting fascism, but the the point is that this is not a new play. That's the thing that bothers me too about the He Gets His campaign is that if evangelicalism has fads. Daniel, you've been a Christian for a long time. You know this. There's always a new thing, whether it's He Gets Us or The Chosen. or There's always this big new thing. This is going to be the thing that unbelievers are going to attach themselves to that's finally going to get them in the church. This is the new method. This is the new thing. This is the new show. This is the new. It happens every couple years. There's always a new thing. Like now we have Jesus right. And now we found a way to present him to unbelievers. It's going to get them to come to the church. And it never works. It never, it never works. And the reason it doesn't work is, and if it does work, they and they go to a Bible-believing church, they don't stay there very long because the Jesus that they fell in love with was the Jesus that was presented to them on the TV who isn't the biblical Jesus. It was the Jesus that didn't demand anything from them. Now, in fairness, has God used um and could god use a promotion like this even though it's faulty even though there's false teaching yeah god can cr- draw a straight line with a crooked stick he does it all the time but that's not the point the point is should that be used by christians to br- just because it it worked doesn't mean that we should use it we're, you know there we should not use sinful means to get righteous ends god is able to use things that are wrong to bring about, but that doesn't neglect our responsibility to be faithful. And to use something like he gets us, I believe is unfaithful because it presents a Christ that isn't the Christ of scripture. Like I, I can imagine. So case in point, I talked about Tom Buck and uh, he, he did what would be called the doctrine of righteous deception. Again, I know there's debate about that or whatever. Um, basically the Hebrew midwives, um, Rahab, the prostitute, where he pretended to be a a gay guy. And he wrote in, because they have people, he gets us who will talk to you and connect you with the church. And he said basically like, hey, do my are my friends wrong for saying that I can't be a Christian and still be gay? Are they wrong for saying that? And the person he was talking to, now this is an official representative that you can talk to. He gets, not only did, they say we can set you up with a gay affirming church. They said, from my vantage point, Jesus don't judge about that. Was the quote. Wow. That's now Tom Buck was doing that to see, like, okay, what what is this? What is this all about? And some people got upset that he even engaged in that. I'm not here to judge that. Um, I'm not here to judge uh that particular thing. But here's what I will say. Um it became very clear that that he gets us is fully willing to send people who may be struggling with same sex attraction or at the very least fully want to indulge in their sin. They're fully willing to send them to churches 
that will affirm them, and they're willing to affirm them themselves, not by picking up the Bible, but as she said, from my vantage point or my opinion, Jesus don't judge about that. What a missed opportunity when you could have had a robust biblical conversation about how 1 Corinthians 6 should, should be the most encouraging passage in the Bible to homosexuals. Because right there in the Bible, there's 2,000-year-old proof that homosexuals turned from their sinful lifestyle and believed on Jesus Christ and were saved out of that. Um, Such were some of you, but you were washed and sanctified by our Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the most encouraging passage to every homosexual, and it should be in the back pocket of every Christian who's ever evangelized to the homosexual community. Because it's proof that, yes, God can change your desires, God can save you, and yes, this sin is able to be redeemed through Christ Jesus. But that's not what he gets us once to put forward. In fact, which isn't surprising because the foundations that financially back them um, are all LGBTQ affirming. You know, that's it's it's really not surprising that this and that's the and that's the thing. It's almost like to me, it, it couldn't be more clear that the the Jesus that the Bible believing conservative Christian church um, has put forward, which is the biblical Jesus, the one that people know, <laughs> people know isn't okay with their sin. That's the Jesus they don't want to present. That's the Jesus of the Pharisee, from the, how he gets us standpoint is the Pharisee, which is interesting because, yeah, Daniel, I don't know if you've noticed this, but isn't it funny that if you love the Bible and you care about God's law and God's word, that you're named a Pharisee and, and Jesus's problem with the Pharisee was that they didn't love the law and <laughs> they added to the law and they didn't, he keeps telling them over and over, have you not read like <laughs> Jesus' problem with the Pharisees wasn't that they loved the scriptures. <laughs> they didn't love the scriptures. That's his problem with them. He's like, you don't know the scriptures. <laughs> you, you, you pervert the scriptures. He, that's his problem with them. He's it's like, Jesus is the one who keeps correcting people on their theology. And whenever you're doing that, people call you a Pharisee and they're like, you're not being Christ-like. I'm like, that's all Jesus is doing. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, that's just a side note, but, um, but basically, like this is that—that's the crux of this whole thing. I believe is to water down the biblical Jesus um, for him to be accepted, particularly by the left-leaning liberal, um, unbelieving youth, to come to Christ. Now, I want those people to come to Christ, and they're no more sinful than the unbelieving conservative person. They need to come to Christ just as much. Um, this ad campaign doesn't really seem to really care so much about them. And case in point, again, we talk about John Harris from the Cons uh, Conversations That Matter podcast. He did something similar uh, to Tom Buck, where he said, I'm a masculine white male. Is there a church that will accept me? And the person really did not treat him with the same courtesy or the same gentleness as when Tom Buck was pretending to be an LGBTQ person. They're like, well, we, we don't like to get into doctrinal distinctives, I think is what they told him. Like, like, hey, like, I just want to go to a church that that doesn't think it's simple for me to be white or to be masculine. And they did not like they did not treat him with the same courtesy uh, that they did with the gay person. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about what's important to this campaign. Now Again, in fairness, it's important to me that people from the LGBTQ liberal, um, that they would come to Christ. I want them to come to Christ. I want them to join me 
on that final day in eternity. I want to see them with me. But the difference between me and he gets us by God's grace is that I understand the only way that's going to happen is if they hear the go- the clear gospel message of repentance and faith in Christ. And that's and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the only way it's going to happen. It's not going to happen by me saying that your sin is just okay or me trying to affirm you in your sexual deviance. That's not going to save you. And they do this in love, but we have to remember that God's the only one who gets to define what that means. I, I think to myself, they follow God of Scripture. Do they follow the God? Most often, look at a ministry, look at past, evaluate a lot of the things by what is driving. Follow that money and see, like, where's it coming from? How is it going to be used? Like, with he gets us, that is what you're going to you're going to see God's law, God's word rejected. And it's incredibly sad to think about because, I mean, they, they're a $100 million campaign, I think is what said. Yeah, over $100 million. And that was when they started. I, I don't know how much it is now. but my- Yeah. I mean, that is, that is crazy. So you're thinking about that much money. Yeah. Yeah. Like all that money. And like, we could have had a minute long gospel presentation. Like, you know, I I, like the uh, one minute to preach the gospel to a Super Bowl. Like there are a lot of Christians would kill for that. Well, not really kill. I'm speaking about sports. Yeah. But I'm saying like, I'm saying like what an honor that would be. And it's just a waste. Yeah, and that is the waste. That is the sad reality with the get. Is they have much money, much money that could be used in line with scripture. But as you were talking, I think to myself, this is evangelism waste. Evangelism myth. They got up into the batter's box <laughs> and they had the opportunity to hit the ball. They hit it out of the park. But they swung missed the god of scripture. They missed the opportunity that they had to witness to proclaim Christ Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. They missed mm. that opportunity. And instead have settled for foolish endeavors. Endeavors yeah. to check the voting box. If we think back to Vody's quote. <laughs> that is what they have gone for. And that should be Sad. That should be saddening for for all true believers. 
And it, it it's it's a good reminder for us that that we would strive by the grace and the strength of God to rightly proclaim God wherever He puts us. He's gonna put us on the street corner. He's gonna put us in another country, or if He's gonna put us on a podcast, wherever He's gonna put us. May we not miss. The opportunity to share Christ, to rightly proclaim who Christ is. Let's learn from this day. Yeah, and I'll have grace, you know, for the believer that, you know, just case in point. So the other day, I was enjoying time with my wife, and there's a ring at the doorbell, which kind of annoyed me because we just got our baby to take a nap, but it was the Jehovah's Witnesses. They've never come to my door before, ever. And I didn't even, I, at first I didn't know they were Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I was really like, oh, like, they, they just said, hey, we're, we're going around the neighborhood and we just want to read scripture to people. And uh, it, I was like, oh, that sounds great. And immediately um, they read the Lord's Prayer and then they asked me, what do you think? that means and i started saying what i believed uh-huh that that meant and then through further conversation it became clear i was like you're saying some and, and my i'm like they're saying some weird stuff i said and i asked well, what church are you with and they <laughs> revealed they were jehovah's Witnesses. and i was like and i just i just like <laughs> i just said well uh i would say that jehovah's witness is a false gospel like it's a false movement like you guys aren't really christians like yeah. and so i started preaching the gospel to them um and asking them to repent and believe in Jesus. And uh, they said, no, well, well we, we are Christians. And, and they like, and they very quickly wanted to leave. And I was reflecting back on that conversation. I was like, because it's, you know, all the cults start to run together for me after a while. I'm like, are, are always yeah. witnesses believe, Mormons believe, like, yeah. sometimes it all muddles together. And I was like, and I was thinking back, like, okay, did I present the gospel faithfully? And I would talked about the deity of Christ, the the incarnation of Christ, um, the perfect life of Christ, the death of Christ, all this stuff. And I was going back through, and I was like, "Oh no, I forgot the resurrection." <laughs> like, like so. The reason I'm bringing that up is because, like, you know, and I again, I said, "God, please forgive me for forgetting this," because you know they believe they don't believe in physical re- that Jesus physically rose from the dead. And uh, I found that out after doing some research really quick. And I was like, oh, man, like, I really was, I, I talked about repentance from sin. I talked about um, the need for Christ to repent. But I forgot to talk about the resurrection. Now, I was in a conversation. I was caught off guard. And we always want to be ready to give an answer. But I have more grace for someone who finds himself in a situation who's trying their best to present the gospel. And they might miss a point. But we're talking about a $100 million campaign that had the eyes of supposed hundreds of Christians on it. Yeah. You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me that they couldn't present Jesus accurately with that much money, that much resources. Come on. This is a commercial. And I, I, I was a performer. Yeah. You know how many times you have to practice something and before you present yeah. it to make sure it's perfect to go out to the public. Like there was enough time and intentionality for them to present Jesus accurately. Um, so I have, I am less understanding of that than the Christian who's like, yeah, I was sharing the gospel, but I forgot this point. I'm like, well, you know, yeah. we forget things sometimes and we want to get better. But the thing is, like when we're talking about 
$100 million from a ministry that's supposed to present the biblical Jesus, and they can't get it right when they've spent all that time and effort to get it in the Super Bowl? Yeah. It's just sad. Like you're saying, it's it's it, very depressing. It's really sad. When that that money could have gone to a more a, a person or a ministry that we know would have used that time and used it to its full effect. Yeah, it's incredibly, incredibly sad when, like you mentioned earlier, that they have sermons, they have curriculum. I mean, they got people. I mean, they got tons of people there that are working there. It's like I'm sure someone has some time to study the scriptures and to. They write sermons for people. Yeah, just incredibly sad. So that that leads us well into our next question. I have. Do they line with scripture and do they cite scripture in their material at all? Or do they just like not use scripture and just present Jesus apart from scripture? Well, that's that's the that's the funny thing is like like many false teachers, you're going to get some scripture. The question is what you say in your commentary of that scripture, does it align with true biblical theology? The answer is no. Um, and I have examples of that in my article itself. You know, Jesus was this way at dinners. He invited everyone to the table. Jesus wasn't exclusive, but he was inclusive. And uh, in the article, I, I without rehashing what I said in the article, but basically he gets us, doesn't have a problem citing the scripture. The problem is that they rip, verses out of context. They recontextualize certain moments like they do in the ad campaigns. We've, we've talked a little bit about that um, in order to make Jesus out to be something that he really wasn't in order to make him more appealing. But my biggest issue, my biggest issue is that in the book of Revelation, we know if you add to or take away from the prophecy, uh, the curses that are in this book will be applied to you. Now, I don't want to be standing next to the person who is in charge of these ad campaigns on the day of judgment. I, I really don't. Um, I really, really don't. It, it's the, the Super Bowl is seen by, I can't even fathom how many people. And these ads have run by, I don't know how many people. The twisting of scripture to turn Jesus into something that he is not and mischaracterize him. Uh, God does. God the Father does not take kindly to us perverting the image of His Son. He doesn't. And this Jesus welcomes everyone to the table. He, yeah, He welcomes people who are willing to repent and submit themselves to Him. And Jesus is exclusive. Make no mistake about that. Je Jesus is exclusive in that you're only getting in through repentance and faith. That, that's the only way you get in. You only get in through Him. You're not getting in any other way. If you want to get in by keeping your sin and keeping your own self-righteousness, you can't get in. You won't. So, yes, the gospel message is radically exclusive in that there's only one way in, and it's to die to yourself. And what he gets us continually tries to portray is this Jesus who, and again, I know it's a cliche at this point, like, you know, Jesus tells you to come as you are. Well, yeah, Jesus, you can come as you are, but you're, Jesus isn't going to let you stay that way. <laughs> but even, even even then, I, I hesitate to say come as you are necessarily. I think um, 
we do come as we are. I, I think there's truth in that, but we never want to miss. Yeah, come as you are, but come humbly, humble yourself before him. So like if if you want to hold on to your self-righteousness, you can't you can't come to him that way. You have to let it go. If you're going to if you're going to come to him and you won't take all of him, you, that's not going to fly. It's not going to work. Yes, it doesn't matter how sinful or how wicked you've become and what you've done. Christ will save you. But you have to repent and let go of your idols, let go of your sinfulness, and come to him on his terms, not yours. And that's that's my biggest that's my biggest concern with these campaigns is that it's diluting they'll put scripture there. Even in these articles, they have scripture, but they're not going to give you the full robust you know what I love about the Apostle Paul, he says, I am I am guilty of no man. What I, I'm probably paraphrasing a little bit. But he said, I did not hesitate to share with you the full counsel of God. I believe he said that to the Ephesian elders. I told you everything you needed to know. And so many Christians, including many pastors, and especially he gets us, are far too satisfied with making sure we don't share the full counsel of God. Because if we did that, we know people would reject us. Yeah, I mean, it is incredibly dangerous with what they're doing. They are taking scripture and twisting it, distorting it, pulling it out of context, using it to fit their own purpose. And as I as I think about it, they are seeking to get just like to vote for him, to just prove of him. And other than liking him, there's not really much else. That's what it really seems like. They're basically just trying to make sure that Christ is your friend. But they aren't helping people To have Christ as their king, mm. and he already is. Yeah, <laughs> he already is. Jesus is. Yeah, he already is. He's like, you know, you can't make Jesus Lord of your life. Jesus is Lord of your life. Yeah. The only question is, are you in rebellion or are you a submissive servant? And kiss the son, lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way. His wrath is quickly kindled. Now look. Jesus isn't all wrath and no grace, yeah. but he's also not all grace and no wrath. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's the issue is, is like, and what's sad is we, we, my wife and I talk about this all the time. My wife says this, he's like, when we don't present the reality of Christ's righteousness, his holiness and his judgment, we can't appreciate his grace because there's no reason for us to be, what are we being saved from? Christ saved us, God saved us by himself, 
for himself from himself. And as people know Christ and bow their lives to him, their life is going to look different. Because I think one of the things that they're trying to do is they're trying to make Jesus look just like you and me. They're trying to put Jesus in all these different circumstances we talked about earlier earlier all those different things and basically what they're doing is they're just trying to help men and women just be pleased to have joy because of who they are and where they're at the purpose, there is no purpose or desire for God to be glorified. There's mm. really no mention of sacrifice. Mm. There's no mention of suffering. It's mm. basically just, oh yeah, you're in this circumstance and you're great and that is a good thing and you can be fully encouraged, basically, in it. Encouraged in yeah. your sin. And there is no call to suffer, to surrender, to die. Christ. There, there are no of those, there's none of those things. It is all the, uh, the things that look pleasurable. That is Basically, when they encourage people to know the Christ of he gets us, it's basically just to help people know Christ, know Christ that will just basically encourage them and make life easy. But as we look at the, the biblical Jesus, we know that when we commit our lives to Christ, when we bow to him, when we kiss the son, when we love the son, Sacrifices will happen. We may have to die for his name's sake. Christ said you will be hated by all because of my name. And we are called to be faithful. To go through persecution, to suffer for his sake. And that is the call of Scripture for all believers. That as they know not- Christ, they will go suffer with Christ. And I don't think you're going to hear that on a 30 second ad from the He Gets Us campaign. And What's what's interesting is that idea of being hated by all is that they kind of do a bait and switch with that. They're like, you know, Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was hated by the religious establishment. Jesus was not liked by authority, like, you know, in the rebel stuff and all this stuff. And all that does is say that, oh, 
the people in authority or religious establishment who don't like me for what I'm doing, which is sinful, the sinful things I'm doing, oh, they, they didn't like Jesus either. So so now, like you're saying, like, I have a pass. I have a pass. Well, because well, they never defined what it was they were upset for Jesus for, which, you know, the fact that he claimed to be God and, and Savior of the world. But if you're never clear about what that thing was that people were upset with Jesus for, and you just say, oh, Jesus was all like my authority, you know, he, he was a little bit of a rebel. Well, now if I'm a rebel, I'm like, well, I must be like Jesus then, because that, that, that ad didn't say that I, Jesus is just like me. Jesus must have done some like pretty bad stuff, you know, and the lack of clarity is intentional, of course. And all, all of the, and you're never going to hear about the call to sacrifice, the call to holiness, the call to, 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 to like I said, self-sacrifice. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kiss the Sun podcast. Tune in next time to hear the continuation of our conversation. Our prayer is that you would love, submit, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe for future episodes and consider leaving a five-star review and sharing it with others. Visit us at everlastingrock.net to learn about our purpose, our team, and to find more of our podcasts, read some of our blogs, or our blog series and help God create it. By the grace of God through Christ, may you build your life on the Lord who is an everlasting rock.